you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast is the new home of the Raiders. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room just uh, filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Just had an amazing conversation with a very famous ex-Raiders employee over the phone. Who was that? Amy Trask for a story I'm working on. Wow. Oh. Journal work. Little journal work. What's the story? Uh, I'm I'm not ready to reveal... Mm. what the story is about yet, but it's going to be explosive. You know what? It has been revealed. I I do want to say thank you to the listeners who said we are on episode 924 today. Uh, It was double confirmed. I don't know if that's enough. Uh, One more. Yeah. A few more people. Check it out. But if that's true, that would mean our thousandth episode would be sometime in the off season, April or May. I I could figure it out, but you know, we we won't do that right now. And we're already in the works of maybe doing some big time plans. Even the shadowy league figures don't know about this. We're (laughs) going to present this idea to them of what we want to do, but thank you. I'm sure it will be met with a shrug and a, yeah, let's do a follow-up meeting about this. (laughs) And then it will be September in week one. That that's just a guess, but maybe I'll be proven wrong. Some of the lesser enthusiastic shadowies have been vaulted out of the company's hemisphere. Hate to so see maybe it. you know you look. That's true. Are Some of up. them vaulted themselves out of the hemisphere. Wes, I imagine after uh, yesterday's huge announcement that the Paramore is with child, and what a life-changing experience that will be for you. That you got a lot of feedback from the general general populace. I did, and I'd like to thank all of them for the messages on Twitter, the messages on Instagram, text messages. Thank you all. Keisha and I are over the moon. Wes and I had a couple of drinks at the Cozy. Uh, Classy move by the Zeuser. After the move, and I uh, played uh, Baby Boy by John Lennon on the jukebox. And then uh, Lakeisha came in, and I said, Lakeisha, this is actually kind of like more like a me and Wes moment. So <laughs> That's the way to handle see that. your way back to the car. <laughs> Do they no. have the uh, Christmas lights up there to celebrate what's No, happening? but the woman behind no? the bar, which I'm sure you know her well, Mark, the woman behind the bar, her husband puts up the lights every year for the past like 25 years, and he's doing it tomorrow, I believe. Or not tomorrow, the day after Thanksgiving. Oh, so that's when they... Why don't they... Ex- well, we can get it It makes sense. Time. makes sense. You start that's true. The Christmas so that put the nails in the coffin for where we're, we're going. Yeah, the cozy's out. The cozy's we're- been eliminated because there it's was out. a big, huge controversy over um, a text chain about the NFL media gathering for tonight uh, to have some drinks on the eve of Thanksgiving, a newish tradition. And I had thrown out the cozy because we hadn't been there a lot lately. And Lakeisha was pushing back, and I didn't know what it was all about. There was some more misinformation because Colleen, 
was you know an agent of chaos without even realizing it during the planning process, planning the event with two people, and then not connecting the dots. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, when I found out Lakeisha's pregnant, there's you know the cozy is that's a working man's bar, that's a blue collar bar, that's a third shifter bar, and there are a lot of guys smoking outside, and she was worried about worried about secondhand smoke wafting in. So oh, it, am I going to pound the table about the cozy with a pregnant lady? No. We found out all the theories out there in the second guessing about whether the smoke factor was a little overplayed. Mm-hmm. It's real. Keisha, even yesterday, spent most of the time there with her shirt <laughs> over her nose. And it's like I, late period Michael Jackson. I was Jackson. getting a waft of smoke every couple of seconds. Although I do love the smell of secondhand smoke. It really? reminds me of a younger time when your buddies would be smoking around you. I, I, I don't smoke. I never was a smoker, but I do like... Like the social aspect of people smoking and drinking. I, I, in theory, that's what I used to think. But then I also remember in college, all my clothes smelled like smoke at all times. Right. You because you could smoke your... in every bar in, in New Orleans. Yeah. And so that's that's a negative. It's a little nostalgic. But I know Lakeisha also mentioned that there was no food options at the Cozy. Not true. I do believe they have that like big jar of... Uh, like eggs and formaldehyde that yes, are, have been there since the late 70s. Or Pickled something. eggs. Yeah. <laughs> Going to college in New England, you would go back to the dorms and you'd see everyone's jackets being hung out the window in the middle of the winter to get aired out from all the smoke. Uh, anyway, memories, memories, memories. Should be a good night. Erica, are you coming? I am, yeah. I was the one that suggested the place that we're actually going to end up going. Oh, okay, good. So you played Peacemaker. Look at you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, remember you said I all of a sudden changed my tune and you were like, oh, Lakeisha must have put a, a, a knife in your tire. And I was like, well, something something, something like that. Like that. <laughs> what, are, what are the odds that in the end something else comes up or it just doesn't happen? You don't show yeah, up. I could see that. Me, personally? Move. No, yeah, I'm, I've, been, I've been planning on it because especially now you that... You have nothing better to do. No, I have a lot. I have a lot to do. It. So it's a stop. It's, it's uh, a stop. Uh, it's not... Know, uh, it's uh, not the full night. We'll take all the Ricky we can get. Yeah, yeah. thank you. What a, what a but I, I would say if you're just making it a stop, you get less say in the organization. Mm. I don't you know think I mean? she would agree with that concept, though. <laughs> I like, I know what the people want, and guess where we're going, where I suggested. Mm. All right. Thumbs up. Doesn't sit with me well. That, Dan. Stop by. Dan, I'm going. You guys are start. We're starting at like eight o'clock. Like I don't normally go out till eleven thirty. Oh, oh. oh, we are the now generation. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's get it. Let's get to work. It is the show's a day earlier because of the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, the the week thirteen preview is upon us. Uh, tomorrow. No, excuse me. Friday. You will hear the recap of the three Thanksgiving games that we previewed on yesterday's show. Mark and I will be handling those duties. Uh, but until then, we have uh, more games to get to. In fact, it's over for the buys. There's no more buys. Mixed feelings about that. 32 teams. Three games Thursday. Two, four, six, 32, 26. No buys. Divide right here. 13 to talk about. Correct or incorrect? That's correct. I feel like I've had a pretty good math season. Yeah, I mean, you've done that specific problem before, probably right. 70 you, or 80 you, you had a slip up in London when you couldn't divide 38 by 2 while we were playing darts. <laughs> I think you made it into like 18. That's actually a tough, that's a tough one. Let's put you on the clock. Erica, 38 divided by 2. 
Wow, what is come what is on? Nineteen people. No, it's, hard. it's hard. Wait, I was something that's not about fair. The, 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 I mean, no. that is fair. You had enough time. I was well. I wasn't wow. listening before, so I didn't <laughs> study know it was up, coming. kids, or else uh, your coworkers can make fun of you uh, twenty years later. Greg, are you coming tonight? You get off the off the hook. Uh, no, I am gonna. I'm gonna come. I'm. I am. Stop by. Oh, stop I, by. No, I have not made any. Opinions made because I know my arrival time is uh, in flux and my, mm. my family, that's going to come first, but then, then I'll come afterwards. So I'm happy to go wherever you guys have be, be at that point. Greg and I I'll both a little have been bit silent a, on this. A little uh, late arrival. This you know? thread has been raging for like six or seven days, and I don't think Greg and I have made a large impact on it. Um, all right. Let's get into it. Draft style. The order. This is going to be interesting. The order is Wes, Dan, Mark, Greg. Uh, we have the game of the year on the schedule. We have the biggest Browns game. And so oh, I remember schedule. what's happening with this. We have a lot <laughs> cooking. Mark, you pick third. Wes, uh, you pick first. So get us going. I mean, it seems to me an obvious number one overall pick, uh, but perhaps not. Well, I thought about skipping that game just to see if the that uh, game being the Ravens and 49ers because yeah. there were a lot of promises and posturing going on Sunday between you and Mark about what might happen between the Jets game posturing. and the you're, you're thinking a little chaos. Let that game Agent, sit out there yes, and see what happens. See what happens between Mark and Dan. But then Greg came in with a pretty strong trade offer. What do you got? It would be changing slots and um, which would give me back-to-back picks. I would only have to cover two games as well. Oh. And Greg also threw in, if I have to write a what we learn, he would write it for me. Ooh, nice offer. So I'm going to have to turn him down. Ah, oh. What? You are nuts. <laughs> yes, you got his, you are got his nuts. hopes up. That's the best part. <laughs> I'm going to have for two reasons. One, beyond his control, both of them. One, uh, I'm not writing a what we learned. So nope. that's a tempting part of the offer. I was smart to throw I, I it in there. I would have maybe thrown in something else. I thought you guys were, but okay. No, they, there's nothing you could have done, Greg, okay. because you have analyzed this draft in the same way I have. And you know that this is a three-game draft. I just want that first game. I didn't analyze anything beyond it that the, I wanted. Four I wanted 49ers. Are, are no man's land. I tried to give you what I could. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's like, oh, you don't get to watch uh, 49ers Ravens, but here, can we we can put you in a nice Titans Colts today. No. All right. Well, so what, what's all right? So yeah. you're, are you going with the game we all expect? Yes. All right. Very good. The 49ers at the Ravens, ten and one against nine and two. The Ravens, the hottest team in football, and Wes. It's in the early window, a disgrace. It's all Patri- Patriots ruin everything. They didn't want to move the Pats out of prime time on Sunday Night Football. Uh, so instead of flexing in the best game of the year, uh, a portion of this country won't even get to watch this game. Uh, that doesn't see that doesn't pass the smell test to me. No. And and you want to hear something else that was uh, Cynthia Freeland made uh, this point uh, this morning on our Power Ranking show. This isn't even the Joe Buck Troy Aikman game, if you'd believe that. They are not covering this game. It is the number two team. Uh, I don't recall who they are at the top of my head. Uh, so you have Charles the, Davis, Kevin Burkhardt. Do nice team. Job. It's a very nice team. But you have the number two team in the early time slot for the best game of the year. Maybe they don't trust it will be close. Well, huh. this is, as Greg talked about on, on uh, yesterday's podcast, this Ravens team is probably the closest thing we've seen to 2000 Patriot, 2007 Patriots over the, the last two months what they're doing to teams, the margin of victory, the convincing style in which they're beating good teams and great quarterbacks. And the 49ers' pass defense is historically great, too. It's right up there with the Patriots this year. Maybe not quite as good, 
But they, whereas the Patriots secondary is awesome, the 49ers front line is awesome. It's a good matchup and um, another Greg statement, styles make fights. This is a good one where two different styles. It might be the most important first quarter of the year because both teams are so good playing with the lead. Less because of their how good they're running the ball. We, you know, we know that. But more just because they play to their past defense. I think the, the Ravens, maybe you could run on them. I'm sure the 49ers are going to try. And then the 49ers especially love to get ahead because then they can send that defensive line wild uh, and shut you down. And their secondary is very good. I mean, they're deep. Sherman's playing great. Their safeties are playing great. Mosley plays great. If there's ever a game where Lamar Jackson is going to struggle throwing the ball, this is the chance. Like, if they if they put up 40 points on the 49ers and their passing game is as efficient and he's as accurate as it's been, it's like, I don't know who's going to stop him. Like, this, this is the team that you would think could make them a little one-dimensional and have a chance to slow it down. And I don't think this is going to be a blow. I have too much respect for the 49ers. I, well, I think losing Matt Scurra, your center, is an, an issue for Baltimore. And that was sort of drowned out in the hoopla of that evening. It th- There was a game when Cleveland beat Baltimore and you had Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon coming in off the edges, that was a game where, where Lamar Jackson was not pr- very productive through the air, and he was sloppy, and there were issues with their offense from wire to wire that day. But I think it's tough, even if you have a great pass rush, to just sort of, as they say, pin your ears back, whatever that means, and fly towards Lamar Jackson because he's a magician. He's suddenly seven yards to the right galloping upfield. Is and- that a dog thing, pin your ears back? Yes. I just figured that out. They so, do that sorry with, with for dogs. Cutting you off. No, no, I, I am very, well. Dogs, you know, their ears they get pinned back. Right? Oh, well, that's that's a nice thing for dogs, I guess. I don't know. Is it? <laughs> it's they, aerodynamic. I love this. I mean, it, something else hidden in that it's last really game. Really bad for the dogs and like painful and stuff like that. Then like, I don't like it. Yeah, exactly. Good things for dogs is what we always on the show. When Mark said I don't like it, he winked. So he does like it. <laughs> I don't. I'm largely like I'm largely don't think about dogs, but I I would wish them well. Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown has been awesome. As they take their brief, let, briefcase off the work. Let's cut that, Erica, for a future uh, sound drop. Send it to Peter. I want to tell you one little, one other little thing I, I think I love about the Ravens, who I believe have tapped into like a higher power at this point. They now have like Pat Ricard, their fullback. Did you see the clip of him taking the Rams player and moving him like 15 yards off the ball? Like the whole play went somewhere else, and he is a vicious, rumbling, wild man, and they call it Project. <laughs> Pat, he goes out there and just punishes people. I'm going to say for the third week in a row, everyone's like, this is the week the Ravens are going to be. They are not going to be tested. This game will not be close. Mm. I'll be wrong at some point. I don't think the not. You cannot convince me the Niners, who are a great team, are anywhere close to the Ravens. Wow. I just don't know how you'd convince me of that at this here's, point. Here's a good stat that kind of backs your thought on this a little bit. So, saw this on Twitter. 49ers passer rating allowed versus eight pocket passers. It's a tick below 52, which is terrible. They were great for the Niners. Uh, versus Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray this year, guys that move around and make plays like Lamar Jackson, only Lamar Jackson's better than both those guys doing that. Uh, the rating shoots up to 104. So perhaps Lamar Jackson, who's a bad matchup for everybody, but especially potentially against this front seven of the Niners. Here's nice use of the research packet. Yeah, that, is, that was a nice nice work. Was it in like the packet? I got it off Twitter. Haven't, oh. haven't had a lot of research packet pop this year, uh, but they've been Love that great, research packet. Jeff Reinholtz, job. the whole team, they 
they kill it. It's a large team now. Something like that's people. very hard to measure Vikingship. in stats <laughs> is tackling. And I think that was a great point that Collinsworth made on the Sunday night game, is that this might be the best tackling team in the league, the 49ers defense, which is very similar to the Seahawks teams over the years. Uh, they They teach tackling in a certain way. They don't give up a lot of yards after contact, and that's what the Ravens do better than anyone. A lot of Ingram and Jackson and the tight ends, a lot of their yards are after contact, especially in the running game, and if they can tackle well, and you have George Kittle on the field, it's a different team, and I don't think it's some crazy mismatch. You would never give Kittle the MVP, but for non-quarterbacks, and I know he doesn't have the numbers. It just reminds me so much of Gronk that if, when he's on the field, they are a completely yeah. <laughs> different, more dangerous team, and he is going to be on the field. This is like the uh, football head. This is their dream matchup. Like I don't know enough to say if this is true, but it seems to me you have the number one scheming team run game-wise versus the number one scheming team pass game-wise with the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan is scheming receivers open all the time. Pro Football I, Reference had a great stat. Sorry, Dan. Um, so, that they, the Ravens are the first team since the '59 Colts to have 2,000 rushing and 2,000 passing yards through 11 weeks. Wow! They actually have 2,300 of each. So that's the first team <laughs> in NFL history to do that. So when people talk about balance, it's just like there's never been a team like we're this. S- we're seeing something very special with the Ravens, and that's why. I have, and everybody does, but a lot of respect for what the Niners have been able to do this season. I just don't see how you could pick the Niners in this game. I think this, the Ravens are on a special run that we're going to remember, uh, I think, for a long time. Um, we all got the Ravens in it? I do, but I I, I picked the uh, 49ers to keep it closer than the desert. You know, the Ravens are a heavy favorite in this game. I think it'll be a, a, good, a good late, you know, fourth quarter type of game. Uh, Wes, what... Jamal Adams didn't understand during that trade deadline situation was, yeah, you have the that you have the pick, you have this beautiful game, but if someone's calling you, pick up the phone. Right. You need to hear what people are saying to you. You're not doing your job otherwise. So I thought you did the right move. You didn't counter. You didn't give me any other offer. Who knows that? Maybe I would have there, raised it. There <laughs> was no counter. It just got to the point where I looked at the four and five seeds on okay. my board and okay. didn't want anything to do with them. Fair. Greg's leaving it open that like maybe Venmo could have been involved there. <laughs> yeah. How desperate was Greg for that game? <laughs> oh, I strategized. I waited till like about half an hour before the show. I didn't know what you guys were doing behind the scenes. I thought I'd, I'd hit him right at the last second. Well, the same guy who predicted a couple of weeks ago that you'd be watching whatever game it was anyway, uh, tweeted again that he's doubling down that Greg says he's going to watch this game. No, I'm not, I'm not. You can't. It depends on how many games are in the morning, and I think I'm, I'm in trouble. I didn't realize you could trade into the spot of the person with two games. I would have been dropping $100 bills on you all season for that option. I didn't, I'm going to get stuck with three one PMs for like the eighth time in a row. You don't even have to write about them. All you have to do is talk about them. I don't know. All right, Mark, let's do some business. Because I'm picking two overall, and I know you want the biggest one's the biggest Browns game in a decade. Decades. Decades. For me. So I, I think I have a, a very fair trade offer that I think you'll you'll find appetizing. We swap the two and three picks. Okay, I'll take your third. You move up to two. And in return, we flip uh, second-round picks. So I move one spot ahead of you in the next round. Uh, and a conditional pick. And the conditional pick <laughs> is conditions on. if I um, if this Browns game goes to overtime, I get your first round pick next week and you get my last round pick. 
So this front office mm-hmm. operates in its own way. And I'm not looking, I don't do this to just grab some game that I'm fetishizing over all week and must watch on television in our newsroom, which is impossible to concentrate anyways. So I will take it because all I really want is to watch the Cleveland versus Pittsburgh game. And if, the, if you were going to go, the other thing, and we talked about this and we'll be, I'll be brief, was you were going to take the Browns game and I was going to take the Jets game. We're going to sit a foot away from each other. Right. Mutually destroyed destruction. Total annoyance move. And <laughs> yeah. I don't like that either. So I will take your trade. I don't have the chart. I don't even see what happens down the road. You'll have to control. Has it been approved by the league office? I, I got lost in the conditions. Yeah, yeah sounds, I'm very confused, but I'll take it. Me. It doesn't seem unfair. <laughs> it's been approved. It just seems and strange. I, I thank you for not calling my bluff because I wouldn't have done it to you anyway. But <laughs> it's been filed with a league office. So, Mark, you pick second. All right, so I'm going to pick Jets, Bengals. What, no, <laughs> uh, I am going to obviously go Brown Steelers. And you could argue that there have been bigger games. Like in 2007 when they had a chance to beat Cincinnati and essentially – take that division or go to the playoffs with it, and they lost. Uh, Pittsburgh's a different situation than Cincinnati, though, because the Browns-Steelers rivalry essentially has not been one for a long, long, long time. The Browns have not swept. Where were you in 1988, Dan? I was in Pearl River in the cold town. I was a third grader. That is the last time when you were in third grade that the Browns swept the Steelers in a season. Wow. Utterly that's absurd. Ri- that's a ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Hat. It is ridiculous. And this is going to require the Browns, I thought, against Miami, and we all watched that by now, I'd imagine, played the best game they've had all year on offense because I thought against the Ravens, and Greg, you noted this first, and you're right, that it was big plays that happened against Baltimore. It wasn't, uh, you know, cons- drive after drive. The Browns went a little flat against Miami in the second half. But they used all their weapons for the first time I've seen really this whole season. I think Kareem Hunt makes a big difference in that backfield. But they cannot afford to make some of the mistakes they made in that game. There was a hideous moment where a shotgun snap flew by Baker Mayfield. They had a trick play that even had Freddie Kitchens giggling on the sideline because it was such a bust and went so wrong. And they did have penalties. And they did, for a quarter plus, go totally silent and allow Miami to control the game. And Miami nearly came back. You can't do that in Pittsburgh. I don't care if it's... Duck Hodges or Joe Fabitz playing quarterback. Joe it Fabitz. is a totally tough environment. And after what happened two weeks ago, the Steelers are going to be hyper-motivated. I truly think the key player to the game on defense is Joe Schobert, who has four picks in two weeks. Shoby. He's been the... I, he's not someone that gets talked about a lot. He was correctly named the AFC Defensive Player of the Week. And he's been the spiritual leader of that side of the ball post-Miles Garrett. Go win it. I mean, I don't want to hear anything about that. Oh, you know, Pittsburgh's a tough place to play. They got a great defense. You know, that's all true. If the Browns are anywhere near being the type of team we thought they could be, and I think they've shown progress over the last month of being a dangerous offense. If you can't beat Duck Hodges with Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner both looking like they're going to miss this game too, we won't know until Sunday. But it's not trending in the right direction. Give me a break. This is a very winnable game. I don't care that Miles Garrett isn't there. Good offense should beat good Go win defense. a ball game. Go win a ball game. I, I totally agree. Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. That's that's an all-star team. And they're playing and so look, hard. Like, then you a got lot of energy. Duck Hodges, uh, Jalen Samuels, Deontay Johnson, Tevin Jones. The, it's no compa- – the old 
Dr. Jack style tail of the tape. Come on. And he had to, he did what he had to do. Mike Tomlin by keeping Mason Rudolph on the bench. Uh, it also eliminates a, a distraction with the, um, you know, Miles Garrett fiasco around that game. You coming think that would have been Sunday. a distraction. I think it just would have been a talking point around the it, game. Yeah. Uh, Hodges made one big throw. And that was one more than Mason Rudolph had made in several weeks. So he's the right guy to go to. I just wonder if this is going to be. It's amazing. And we talked about earlier in the season, Greg, with this defense, what a shame it is if you're a Steelers fan that if you still had Big Ben yep. uh, and, and maybe you have a little better injury luck, you, you're an AFC powerhouse. But we've gotten to the point where the Pittsburgh Steelers are just living and dying on a guy that was undrafted and didn't even get an invite to the combine. And that's what it's come to for Pittsburgh. He represents a Hail Mary and all they need him to be and pray for him to be is not embarrassing. But you can't rule that out as something that could happen. It's they're in as tough a spot as you can imagine, and he's playing without potentially his best wide receiver and his best running back. The, the Brown, the, I mean, this should be an easy win for the Browns. But we've said that about Cleveland. I could still, I could see this game. It should be. It doesn't mean it will. I, be. I don't think it will be. I think it's. I could see this being seventeen to sixteen. The Steelers Browns defense win. is not easy, so I, I respect that they're going to keep it or try to keep it close, keep the score down. But Baker Mayfield, too. Like, how are you feeling about Baker right now? I mean, this is a game, you know, in his maturation process, he's had some ups and downs. It's trendy in the right direction where a, a really good quarterback goes and, and makes sure they win. I, I feel better. I just wonder if what the coaching is behind the scenes. There, it's been a really up and down season for someone who I thought would be an NFL's clear-cut star at that position right now. All right, let us uh, move on now. Now, this is all strategy. I, w- I would not have taken that Browns game anyway because I know I need to be watching Niners-Ravens. I uh, Hopefully, we'll be also watching uh, Jets-Raiders. So I got to keep my TVs open there. Uh, so I will go to the late games, and we got a nice late game staring at me at Arrowhead. Raiders at Chiefs. Uh, I will select a three overall. And I think this is a game, we talk about what, what the desert's saying, uh, what people expect after the Raiders lay an absolute stink bomb at the Meadowlands against the Jets, lose 34-3. The quarterback gets benched in the third quarter. Just an embarrassing loss that really completely recalibrates um, uh, the ceiling for the Raiders in the eyes of many. But I, I hold on to the idea that every team has bad weeks and some weeks are worse than others. And, and that was the Raiders' bomb of the year. And I, I think... They are going to put up a really good fight in this game because, first of all, the Chiefs have not shown shown me this season that they can go out and just kill somebody. Um, they've played a lot of close games this season, and the Raiders know full well the stakes here. If the if the Chiefs uh, win this game, they're eight and four. The Raiders drop to five hundred at six and six, and the division is essentially gone. So this is a huge game. I expect it to be uh, an extremely close game. Uh, and I'm wondering if you guys are in the same camp or do you think that it, this is the pumpkin, the Raiders have turned back into a pumpkin and the Chiefs are going to blow them out because I understand that side of it as well. Well, you say the Chiefs aren't really playing dominant games, but these two teams have played before and it was a dominant game by the Chiefs in which the Raiders secondary was just blitzed by the Chiefs offense. A long big, time ago. That was the 28-point second quarter that they had. Big play after big play after big play. And the Raiders secondary is still not good. They're very susceptible to the big play. This is a big play passing offense. Tyreek Hill uh, appears that he's going to play in this game, and, and he's so key to them. The Chiefs so he can are, stay on the field. are healthier coming off the bye. Damian Williams might not play, but I do think it's just a matchup problem for them that the Raiders have survived against – 
okay offenses that just don't have enough to blitz their really talent-poor defense overall. And I think Paul Gunther and, and Mike Mayock uh, you know, added some talent. Gunther's coached up what's not a super talented defense. And so they survive against the teams that aren't explosive. But then you play the Chiefs on the road. And uh, yeah, I, w- I don't know. I could look in the mirror. and Because to me, this is like a, a big game. But my Vegas test uh, says says that I couldn't. I, I just think the Chiefs start their steamroll of the December. And they this is not close. And the Raiders, you know, their their hopes go up and smoke. Yeah, my concern for the Raiders is watching that Jets game and we can get to the Jets later that there were a lot of bad drops obviously, but I thought that Oakland was just pushed around by the Jets on both sides of the ball and you mentioned Greg that they're all, the the Raiders offensive line hasn't been itself the past couple weeks and that's a huge concern and and I there's too many weapons and it would to me it would be a devastating loss if I'm a Chiefs fan. If they if they fall at home in this thing, I just you if can, they lost this game, they then go to Foxborough the next week, and all of a sudden it's all hanging in the balance, and they would be in, in a lot of trouble. I I don't see that happening, but I do. I think the Raiders have surprised us all season. I know they're a much better, much better home team. Win or lose, they're a great story. I I think they'll be able to move the ball and score some points in this game. They they take those long drives though, and those long drives better. I think that's just tough to do against Kansas City. Well, they all, they that ha- also keeps Patrick Mahomes right. Up they the have field. to end in touchdowns though, or else you're just taking these long drives and falling further and further behind. Uh, I don't know if the Bengals had some sort. You know, I'm not smart enough to understand if they did something schematically. Their defense really molly whipping the Raiders. Molly Wop. Molly Whoppin? Yeah. yeah. Molly Whoppin. Was one of the most surprising things I saw in terms Molly of... Molly Whip. He went for it. He said, I'm going to go Molly for Wop? it. And By the way, Molly Whipping... Molly Whoppin feels... is when you hit someone this side of the hand. Bang. Molly Whoppin. It feels like a phrase that probably shouldn't... It probably should anymore. be retired. I don't yeah. know the the background history of it all. I think it's based I have on Erica, a woman can you, named Molly. Can you look that up to see if it is on my work computer? You think that's okay? I think it was retired until <laughs> Greg brought it back into the lexicon. He tried to give it a, a more modern tweak. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the origin of Molly Wop, if you if you could, Ricky, or just give it to the listeners to do, and they'll handle it by tonight. What was your point? I don't even think it matters anymore. <laughs> I don't know what the Bengals did. They they took this Raiders team soul for some reason. It was one of the most surprising things I saw all season was their defense really dominating in that game. And then the and then the Raiders come out with the stink bomb again. I don't know if they showed something, but uh, they're not keeping up. <laughs> According to uh, Urban Dictionary, Molly Wop verb, when a grown man beats another grown man as if he were a girl under the age of 10. <laughs> Yeah, that's not a appropriate. A girl right? under the age. All right, I think we should move on to my pick. That's rugged. <laughs> that's rugged. For one. All right, side. Greg, go ahead. I'm just going. Let's I'm, retire Molly Wap. I'm, society. Yeah, it's gone. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Molly. I'm gonna take Rams oh, Cardinals. Uh, Molly's like, thank you. Yeah, I'm taking Rams Cardinals at 405. Uh, I like this game. I like. Uh, I want a late game that that I'm gonna be interested in. And uh, there's only three there. And this is kind of, I know the Rams look like their season is done. It it probably is. But this is the true last stand. If they lose here, it's totally over. And one of the more surprising things, I think, in the NFL this year is that the Cardinals offense is right now better than the Rams offense. Who would have thought that going into the year that not only the Cardinals offense is better, but the Cardinals offense led by Kenyon Drake with David Johnson flat out benched is better. And that uh, Chase Edmonds is coming back this week. I don't know if 
you know, David Johnson, who's a top five fantasy pick, is going to get on the field too much. This is the number two rushing offense, largely because of Kyler Murray, and they can throw a lot of creative runs at you, just like the Ravens did on Monday night. I, I think it's a toss-up. I, I don't totally pour dirt on this Rams team. They should be able to score some points against Arizona. I, I don't have a strong, you know, feel of who's going to win this game, but Arizona's been close in so many games, it, it really does feel like they're due to have uh, a good win, and this would be uh, a humbling moment, I think, for the Rams if they end up losing this game. There was a Todd Gurley run, which got lost in the blowout loss. It was like a 15-yard run early second quarter that I thought was the most explosive he's looked all year, and I went back and watched it a few times because it I was like, that doesn't look like Todd Gurley. It looks Last like, two weeks, he's looked pretty good. Yeah, right? I think I think he's starting to finally play. Like we would say earlier in the year, he's not any better than than Malcolm Brown or or Daryl Henderson. And I think now you would. I saw a difference between Gurley and Malcolm Brown in that game. I, there was also a long third down run where or third long third and long where they gave the ball to Gurley when it looked to me like a clear passing situation and. They they raised the point on the broadcast that does Sean McVay really trust on Erica's podcast or uh, yes it was on Erica's broadcast wow they dug in on this game that's surprising always did a very nice job with that UNM of the wrap up uh, but do they does Sean McVay trust Jared Goff at this point. That's kind of Sean McVay's move. Even last year when things were going well, he calls conservative plays. But I, I don't think Outside he, of that, he shouldn't he trust does. them because I think there was some plays in that game. Like a, there was a third and long near the goal line where the Ravens blitz and everyone's been killing the Rams O-line all year. They picked the blitz up perfectly. Goff had all the time in the world. He had Cooper Cup one-on-one and his timing on the throw to Cup was just totally off. And I'm just thinking like that's a play they hit eight out of eight times last year, seven out of eight times. And Goff, like, rushed the throw, even though there's no pressure there. And it was, that's just all on Goff. Yeah, I think to your question, like, I am I shocked that the Cardinals offense is productive and exciting? That was one of the two things it was going to be, that or a big flop. I felt like it, we just didn't know, and that was one of the offseason questions. It's one of the shocks of the league that the Rams are as unenjoyable to watch as they are. And next offseason, what I'm going to try to spend more time on is looking at teams where the offensive line has been shattered because that seems to be the earmark of you're going to get a lot more disappointment than you thought because I don't know uh, you know, where we were with Sean McVay a year ago is that he's a genius and I don't think that suddenly changes because the Rams aren't good or that he's not skilled or he's been unmasked. That's Nonsense. He's a great coach. But like, I don't see the adjustments. From Super Bowl on, there just doesn't seem to be the situational adjustments where the Rams come out in the second half and fix what we're seeing in the first half and their offseason issues with their draft picks and the fact that you traded for a quarterback who's made about a billion less plays than the quarterback you shipped at cornerback you shipped out of the house is concerning. They have a lot of issues to deal with beyond whether or not they make this playoff party and get wiped out in the first round. We already do that with offensive lines in the offseason. It's just that it's really hard to predict. You, right. It, well, example, you may do it a little more than I. Right. Well, no, I want, I'm want. i looking forward to the Sessler decides which I, O-lines it, were savage offseason podcast. I could not imagine, April I could not imagine a task that I'm less, I'm more ill-fitted for. It's just that it's going to be something I monitor to the best of my abilities. Now, the, that other team like in this, the other team in this <laughs> matchup is the Cardinals, who we said all offseason has one of the worst offensive lines. We can't trust it. Well, I think their quarter, their quarterback, who's not, you know, Jared Goff's not going to scamper around the field the same way. Kyler Murray is a little bit to do with that. You have to deal with Kyler Murray, what he might do on every play. Scheme, scheme can make the O line look a lot better. I think 
I quarterback. Think, yeah. I think McVeigh has helped along that line, uh, at least in previous years, and I think Kingsbury. The Rams were hyper aggressive for multiple years once McVeigh took over and and the sun started shining, and less need, especially going into last season with the the Sue signing and moves they would continue to make even this year, going to get Jalen Ramsey. All these moves that um, were really in service of getting over the hump. I wonder what happens down the back end. And I know that the, the salary cap keeps going up and that, that aids in terms of the margin for error for a GM. But if Jared Goff is not the guy, they just signed him to a huge contract. I just looked it up on SpotRack. Todd Gurley, they can't even get out of that contract. Uh, they don't have a potential out until 2022. That doesn't mean they'll find a way or just take the the pill and, and move on at some point. But they invested a lot of stuff. Jalen Ramsey, did they give him a contract yet? Not yet. No, no. but so, I mean, he, he controls the, the amount he, of that He contract promised he wouldn't hold out, so he How do you, signed. Oh, yeah, we could trust him on his word. But it's just like, what are, what is this team going forward? I think it's one of the more interesting offseason storylines. I do too, but I also think... The enjoyment a lot of people have had this week saying that no team is in a worse position long term and that they have so many problems because of the golf girly contract and no flexibility and no picks. I think it's overstated. I think teams have a lot more flexibility than you realize and teams do change from year to year, you know, good and bad that we've seen, and that they that they can fix it. Like it's it's like oh, let throw up their hands, they're done for four. No, years. not like, no team. No. But how about among the teams that you'd say have a lot of promise and a lot of well, talent? I, I would give them uh, some benefit of the doubt because they took over a Jeff Fisher team and turned into the most consistent winner in the NFC for two years. So yeah, I think they could they could change for, in a positive way still. All right, Greg, it's snakes to you. Well, I'm gonna take the Buccaneers Jaguars. And uh, no one expected that. And you know why? It's because this, this bozo on the internet is saying, oh, I bet Greg's just going to take something <laughs> and watch watch the old Ravens 49ers. That's a good idea. I should just take another game like Bucks jaguars early and uh, watch a little Ravens. Wait, you're doing what I like to do. Yeah, watch Stay a little, out of these bad games. Yeah, look, watch a little Ravens uh, 49ers on the side, too. So you're right. Smart so move. He was right. Right. That's what I'm saying. But I didn't really have that idea until he gave it to me. And, uh, Thanks, as, bozo. As, Thanks, Lucas. As as bad teams go, Bucks Jaguars is absolutely my kind of game because uh, I do enjoy watching the, the stylings of Jameis Winston. I want to see uh, whether win or lose. I kind of am curious of what's happening with this Jaguars team, whether they just totally get flushed down the toilet or Foles has some moments uh, as a as a matchup of four and seven teams go. I'm, I'm in. One of my uh, favorite uh, sound bites of Week Twelve was. After the win over the Falcons, in which Winston played well, Bruce Arians was asked about his optimism level around Jameis Winston, whether he was a half cup, half glass full guy, half glass empty. Here's what he had to say. My glass is full as hell, and it's going to get real full in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? I think that means he's about to have a nice big uh, celebration drink. drink. He's going to drink. He's optimistic, and he's going to drink, which probably helps the optimism. You know what? That's definitely what it is, and uh, Bruce likes to have a good time. Why did I? My mind went to he's making like a pee joke. That's weird. I don't know, but he. What? That's the first. That's what I thought he was referring. He is to. an old How man. Did yeah, that's that's I don't know. Humor for like he was man. like I'm about to fill it to the brim. Like what? At the, in that moment, how else would you fill a, a cup? He famously tailgates in the parking lot with friends and you know. Uh, family after after wins, not lost. I got I got some He'd bad be news. Such a good guy in this podcast. He would be great. I got some bad news for Bucks fans. Jameis always plays his best in December when they're out of the playoffs. Every year, right. every year he he starts playing great. I think. And then number two, if you listen to 
Arians and Jason Light, and then also some reporting in Tampa. I think there's a greater chance than people realize that Jameis will be back. With oh, yeah. Team, uh, well, listen on, to like, what Cousin Brucey just said. Yeah, right? they, they can talk themselves into anything. It's filled to the brim with optimism, I'll which think- is crazy to me because Arians has a finite amount of time here. He's, I think, 67 years old. He's going to need results in year two. And are you really going to die on that hill? Is that where he's going to go when he's there got five are games left? Unfortunately, I think those five games will make a big determinant. You know, but here's the thing: I, I, by the way, I don't think he will. I think he'll go with somebody else. But there, are, there are options on the market in this offseason. We talked about that. Is he really going to tie? I don't the, think so. Perhaps his final NFL head coach, his final coaching job potentially to Jameis Winston. Has he seen enough positives to outweigh the negatives? It's all. Know. It all depends. I think. Bruce Arians is a veteran quarterback kind of dude. He's good. If anything, he's gonna he'd flip out Jameis Winston for someone right. I he don't can think trust. Kid. So we need to see who becomes the I, the other side of this with Nick Foles. And I know it gets too boring to keep talking about Nick Foles over and over. But I I thought the thing he could come in and do was help Jacksonville's red zone offense. And his touchdown percentage is two point nine, which is drastically lower than Minshew's four point two right now. And Speaking of keeping quarterbacks or thinking about the quarterback position, are we just stuck with Nick Foles for the rest of the year, no matter what, just because I, I get it. He's a great guy. He's a great locker room glue guy, and he's very good at giving post-game speeches that we all love, and he did great in the Eagles. He won a Super Bowl, but this is not working to me right now. And and so what do you just – you just stick it out? It, this offense with him under center, it's not just him, but this offense is a cure for insomnia. They are yeah. they are so boring. Leonard Fournette is 230 pounds and he dances too much. Uh, Chris Conley, maybe he'd make plays if he had DJ Chark's hands, but he doesn't. Right. Like, Foles puts up a nice pass early in that game and it goes off of Conley's shoulder. And I watched that game and I'm granted I'm biased. I'm thinking Foles is going to do well. I said that. I, I like watching him play. But I, I really tried to watch him throw to throw and thought, like, is he playing poorly or not? And I didn't think so. I thought he played a pretty solid game. I go check PFF. He has a plus one on the day because he was in third and eight every they're down 28-3 and they're going run run screen pass punt. They're 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 down, you know, at 1.14-3 and they go run run like uh, you know, a, not not a screen pass but another thing where it's like a short pass and you're trying to set up the blocking and he has a couple throw and it's just like a terrible offense and it's the worst rush defense in the league and it just feels like yes, Foles is not helped them. I I get it. They also didn't score a touchdown in three of Eight Gardner Minshew starts. It just feels like the quarterback well, thing on. is a distraction from what is a terrible I just, team. I have to just disagree. I, I that's fine. PFF Why did everything and all this work stuff. when Minshew? Was yeah, in just it. saying. It, here's here's it part of it. It's, 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 there's energy. There's energy. You guys absolutely had did. Very selective vision. It, here's no, here's the thing. It. You've been you wrong about Minshew all year. Uh, have I? Yeah, I love Minshew. Here's the thing. Here's here's a stat. He started. Keep ignoring his bad games. He started eight games. He confirmation bias. He played well. Confirmation bias. He played well. He played well, but. I agree I, he, that he played really well, but he started eight games. In three of them, they didn't score a touchdown. In two more of them, they scored one touchdown. So that's a lot of his starts that their offense as a whole was terrible. And, and the same is continuing with Nick Foles. His great starts were great. I, I think all right, all right. the Minshew maniacs, I get it, but there's so much wrong with the Jaguars right now to point to the quarterback position and say that's what oh, we need to change. Up, because we spent 20 minutes uh, on their run defense on Sunday. I just don't right. want to bring up the same exact topics. Their defense, 
absolutely. Or maybe they're not worth any time at all. We, maybe we've given them more than enough time on the show. I don't I, know. My thing is more, are you, team. are you, Bye-bye. my thing is more between now and the rest of the year, are we just going to sit here and say Nick Foles is the answer because we paid him all this money? I mean, you might have to, but I, I just don't trust Nick Foles I as guess a I'm long-term like, starter. Unless Minshew could be a rangy linebacker also, this team is going to be But you, But regardless. Dan, you have to admit that you have been looking for Minshew negatives too. You ha- you didn't come in with a totally, oh, I you're a little annoyed never, by Minshew. I never bought into him as a savior of the franchise. That, but that doesn't because you guys disagree doesn't make me wrong. I think it's not. It doesn't make you wrong. But as he a low well. as a low round rookie, I think he had one of the more exciting yes, seasons of I the am, year. Uh, see, that's where there's disconnect. I, I see that, and I respect that for sure. As any rookie, he played. He played better than most rookies you'll see in a given year. I agree. My, played better my than main, Baker Mayfield for half the season. My main and thing Sam was Donald. just like Foles has looked rusty, especially in his first there. I really think if you watch last week's game, it just wasn't about the quarterback last week. That's all. All right, so let's move on. Now, as part of our trademark, I will move ahead of you. And let me just make it clear, the conditional pick we talked about, Steelers-Browns has to go to overtime on Sunday. And okay. if, if it does, next week... Your number two pick, you're picking two overall. We swap with my final round pick, number nine. So you would get the ninth pick, and I would get your second pick. I don't understand the motivation behind <laughs> this condition. It just seems like random. It's like throwing a condition in, in a trade. It's of like if probably Matt, not going to happen. If Matt Castle, you know, throws two touchdowns in week seven, then we get a fourth round pick. It just doesn't really like. Let's put it this way: you wouldn't pick until I, seventh I overall. I got Brown Steelers. I am willing to be totally controlled. You can drag me around <laughs> and do what you want with me for the rest of it. I'm not tracking anything. Uh, as else. Lo- uh, hopefully, it's an overtime win. That's what I overtime win for the Browns is what we all want on Sunday. Fair. We'll see how it goes. Um, all right. Now, the pick is the Jets at Bengals. Okay. So um, here's the thing. I, I'm trying not to get too caught up in the Jets right now, but I, I, I struggle with this because I think by my nature, I'm an optimistic person and that carries over to my fandom. And I, I tend to see the good uh, with my team more than I can see the bad sometimes. Uh, and the Jets are so – there was so much bad, I couldn't miss it earlier in the year. And I, I, I killed them early in their season just like everyone else. But when you watch them um, over the past three weeks, and especially the last two weeks, and especially last week against the Raiders, it's fairly remarkable to me how they've cleaned up their deficiencies um, so well. And the deficiencies were in three major areas. Uh, quarterback, where Sam Darnold had been – uh, a mess uh, for most of, you know, obviously he was dealing with mono. He wasn't right week one. He missed three weeks. He had the good Cowboys game and then went into a bad place for a three-week stretch there. He is now, um, not only is he playing largely mistake-free football, uh, he is doing the things that kind of made you excited about him last December. Uh, uh, just being a smart quarterback, be able to throw from different arm, arm angles, uh, be able to evade the rush, make plays on the move. Uh, basically just look like the guy that Jets fans uh, fell in love with at the end of last season. The next step is the offensive line. Matt Khalil, I mentioned this, was a guy that... Um, that uh, Joe Douglas brought in late. Not only was he a guy that it didn't work out, apparently his style of play was leading to even more confusion. They now have uh, an offensive line that is not star-studded, but they are playing really well, and they are giving them time to do things. Like, for instance, if you watch the Raiders game, uh, Le'Veon Bell using him, splitting him out, and getting to, to do different things. What was happening was the offensive line was such a wreck, they were doing this max protect setup, uh, which led to uh, Bell being inside blocking often, and 
what we saw last week was Le'Veon Bell, not Pittsburgh Steelers Le'Veon Bell, but a guy that was making plays again. So you're seeing it there. And then in the, in the back end of the secondary, you have two guys, and, and bless them, Austin, Austin and Arthur Millette, who have all of a sudden turned into real players uh, over the past three weeks. Maybe it's just a, a small sample size thing, but they have been guys that you would think we'd be picked on, uh, but instead they have held down the secondary. And then Jamal Adams, the quote-unquote cliche movable chess piece, uh, Greg Williams has done a good job maximizing his incredible ability. So it's turned the Jets into, I think, a good, bad team. I think they're better than all the bad teams in the league. And uh, I'm excited about them. I couldn't agree more with what you said because I feel like that Oakland game was the most confident I've ever seen Sam Darnold play. And when he is, uh, you know, when he does have someone in his face, he, his quick release is a difference maker. And like he, he, his downfield accuracy in that game was uh, tangible. And there's no reason they shouldn't sweep up uh, the Bengals, who have played better the last couple weeks. I mean, I guess, like they say, if you... What is that saying? If you hang around the barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut at some point. So maybe the Bengals... <laughs> I never heard that, but get I a win. to me. They'll get a win at some point well, here, but I, they're running into the Jets at the wrong time. Had they run into the Jets in week five, maybe a different story. Everything I've just said, and Greg, you could talk about your point in a second because I like the one you made downstairs. Everything I just said holds true that I'm confident going to Sunday, but this is A, historically a typical game where the Jets flop and everything gets wiped away. It's like you've lost to two winless teams this month and all that stuff. And two, I hate that Andy Dalton is now back in the lineup because he gives the Bengals a better chance to win. Organizationally, by the way, a terrible look for Cincinnati, I thought, just that they couldn't even do this right and give the kid a longer look. He's a rookie. Mm. They move him out and and they go back to Dalton and Dalton is just being jerked around at this point. Uh, But your point about Dalton, I thought was a good one. Yeah, I I put some stock into a point. I don't know if it was Phil Simms or Dan Fouts. It was one of these, you know, color guys who do the games who, who says when you're a starting quarterback after they've been benched and they come back into the lineup at some point, it's like a huge weight has been lifted off your shoulder. You've been a starting quarterback your whole life. Your biggest fear in all of football is that you're going to get benched from high school to college into the pros and you're a franchise quarterback. And then it finally happens. Like the ax swings on you and it happens and then you end up starting a few weeks later and it's like, oh, the, the world didn't end. I, I got nothing to lose right now. And you, you start playing a little freer, a little better. And Andy Dalton's a lot better than Ryan Finley. And I don't kill the Bengals actually for what they did just because they wanted to take a look at Finley and maybe they were more optimistic than they should have been. And he was clearly not ready. And you still got five games left. And 0-16 is forever. Go try to win some games. My problem is you, they started listening to the fans. I know they were frustrated. Or ownership. Yeah, the guy sense, on the roof. It might be ownership. That's, the move they made is a move for mid-December, not right. mid-October. Totally. Yeah, it's like the Bengals, though, I could see them. They play the Jets, and let's say if anything ever happened there that Dan would not like, mm. they play the Dolphins, and <laughs> I, it, the, I could see them splitting with Cleveland. Suddenly they go 3-13, and 13, don't get the first overall pick, and you're back potentially with Andy Dalton as your quarterback next year. It's kind of the most Bengal thing ever, but it's, you That know, could be Dalton's legacy. I don't think he's going to be back almost no matter what, although I guess you never know. You're right. It's with, the Bengals. With Andy I, I wouldn't say that with them, but... they had. I think this is a dangerous game for the Jets because as much as I totally is, agree with all the good things the Jets have done, they've played four of the worst five or six defenses in the league. Uh, and so if they, I think their kryptonite is facing a real pass rush. I'm not sure the Bengals actually have one either. Uh, but I think if if when they play a team with a real pass rush, then we'll see 
with the progress. I think Darnold, Darnold, that's for real. The defense is absolutely overachieving. Uh, I think if the Bengals, you know, guys up front, Hubbard, Dunlap, and Atkins have played pretty well the last couple weeks. All right, let us move on now uh, to Chris Wessling with his second pick. Wait, isn't this Mark? Excuse me, Mark Sessler. Oh. I'm sorry, in uh, my original slot. Mark, you're up. My All right, well, I'm taking that 425 p.m. East Coast, 125 p.m. West Coast Chargers-Broncos game, smart. baby. It's a smart uh, uh, schematic approach. I never thought it would be available to me, so uh, I'm pleasantly surprised this draft is going very well. Uh Except the game yeah, itself. Yeah, what a lucky guy. <laughs> Drew Locke, maybe. <laughs> well, the game itself is is about as depressing as a Chargers-Broncos game could be in early December. It, the the Chargers have killed themselves, and I I don't know. I mean, it's it, to me, looking at Phillip Rivers, I guess the thing, he's seven interceptions over the last two games, and a lot of them have been, you know, not just tips where it's not, they've had to do with his his lack of ability to peg targets. And it's not the same Phillip Rivers. And I don't like watching quarterbacks that have been in our life for 15 years playing at the highest level. He's never missed a game starting to show elements of decline. I don't know if he's hurt or there's something else going on. This has happened to Phillip Rivers before. He had that one season where everyone thought he's done. And then he was comeback player of the year the next year. So I don't know what the future is. One of the most ridiculous awards ever given. Well, that was, but he, but the point is, he did he did play much, so much better the next year. He like that, he know. came back from the year that he just threw uh, like seven more interceptions. <laughs> so stupid. Some guy came back from a quadruple ACL, MCL, PCL tear, and he's like, "What?" That was the year there was like really legitimately no competition for that award. So don't give it out. Fair. All right, about that. How it's, about uh, Der- nice Derwin James? Give out two the next coming year. back in this I game. There's, there there's something that That's they big. can watch for. Derwin James is playing football. Bad for Drew Locke. If it, terrible timing for Drew Locke if he does start for Denver. As we're him. taping, the the Broncos are not announcing their starter, but they're saying that the the reps will be split between Drew Locke and Brandon Allen, which is a strange one. But usually, the uh, idea is if you haven't announced your starter, that means you're making a change. Like you never don't Usually, announce it when you keep leave them tea leaves, Greg. But if you're if you're deciding to go with Drew Locke, you would give him all the reps, wouldn't you? Right. I think what, I think my guess is that he is going to get most of these reps. That you know the media doesn't get to see it anyways, and that barring him like just you know being terrible in practice for some reason, then then he's a starter. You guys want to hear something uncomfortable? Always. I love um, cringeworthy radio interviews that go wrong. Me too. <laughs> and uh, this does not involve uh, a game we're previewing, so I'm just going to stick it in here. And Bears defensive lineman Akeem Hicks on the Waddle and Sylvie, Sylvie show uh, this week. Uh, let's play that clip, and uh, it's going to be the office-level awkward. Here we go. Off the bandwagon. Ride with us. We're, we're down right now. We know that, and we're fighting to get back up. So roll with us. We didn't do this on purpose. We didn't try to get ourselves in the situation. But we're doing everything that we can to climb out of this hole. So be supportive. You mean you didn't put your arm in between those two Raiders and it popped out a joint on purpose? I can't find... I, no, I'm joking. Hey, who you, that's a joke? No, that's why I said I'm not joking. joke? Well, I didn't mean you it that joke way. about somebody's injury. No, no I no, know. No, 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 no. I'm perfectly respectful. I'm perfectly respectful. But I tell you what. You will not joke I'm about sorry. an injury. I'm sorry. I did. I, hey, I, I, you I'm, have a blessed day. This is the last time I'm on this radio station. Uh, Akeem, <laughs> are you serious? 
Yes. Oh, wow. no. That was the Michael Scott school of cringe comedy right there. Then he has like another two and a half hours of radio to do. Right. You know what that. I would love to hear is actually the next minute after right. that. I want to see how and, he pivoted oh. to just like, so coming up in the next <laughs> yeah. hour, we talk about. And oh. the weird thing is, and Erica, you brought it up uh, before we started, like it might not have been like a good bit. Uh, but it was he didn't mean anything he by didn't. it. Right. It was like, hey, you mean to tell me you purposely didn't pop out your arm? Like, of course people need to support He was that. trying to support his point with something lighthearted. And I guess to to Hicks's point, when you suffer a painful injury on the football field, that's never a laughing matter. But also, it's like, dude, he didn't mean anything by it. And right, it but it was so clumsy. He could have gone in clumsy. that direction a million different ways. Not the moment of the season that devastated this man. You know what I mean? And like ruined <laughs> see his both sides he's, he's miserable <laughs> for months on end because of this moment. At the end, yeah. he's like, oh, Akeem. <laughs> Wes has the chills. I, yeah, I, I don't feel good after that. I, I feel bad that. for that. I, w- I want to watch like a, like I a short ne- documentary about <laughs> That. Oh, I would never listen to that again. I I love that so much, and I want I can't wait. It's going to happen eventually. We don't have a ton of guests on the show, but it came somewhat close. Mark back in the ATL Debate Club days when I called Richard Sherman Stinky Davis, like he kind of paused for a moment, and then he's like, "I'm going to let this nobody off." He had up. also come in and read, and that was back when a lot of the bulk of our work was writing Richard Sherman esque. Right. You know controversies right. with other players, so he's like, "Oh, I've read all your articles." So he he clearly had a handler that had given him four or five stories each. Here's the two clowns. You're about bozos. Right. You're about to sit down and chat with, and <laughs> but but he didn't he didn't come after. He didn't walk away. Who was the wide? And it's receiver. gonna happen one day with the closest, and it wasn't really. It was just awkward because he wasn't interested in. in wasn't the that question. Alshon Jeffrey? Was it Alshon Jeffrey? Yeah. Was Where he, on he was phone on the phone? He yes, and yeah. uh, he seemed to be barely paying attention to what we were doing, <laughs> <laughs> and we were just like. Had to repeat questions. To He's them. like, "What was that?" Sorry, man. I was tying my shoes. He was like, "What?" <laughs> Give us five minutes, oh, Alshon. No. You think he was running late? Actually, I know what it was. I now I think I remember. He was gonna be on total access. He was supposed to be in studio. He was supposed to be in, in studio, but he was running late. You missed the car. So, so instead of coming into the studio to do five minutes with us, they were like, well, "We could do on the phone. You could do him on the phone on the way to the NFL Network." And that didn't work out either because he was obviously. Anyway. anyway, one day we'll get our Akeem Hicks moment, uh, and Wes might die. That's <laughs> what I've learned today. Uh, all right, who is up? Wes, your pick. All right. Uh, I thought this game would go earlier, but I realize I'm the only Titans fan in the room. So <laughs> yeah, you I'll this take is all you. Titans at Colts. That's a good game, though. It's a good pick in this uh, at this juncture. Yeah, I'm going to be stuck with the three early games and no late games. Oof. I know, that's going to be tough. With the game of the year. I know. I see what you guys are doing. I don't blame you. Could have made that trade. <laughs> I know. But, you know, you, we will get through this. It'll be all right. <laughs> Did you know over the last 16, ga- 16 games, going back to last year, Derrick Henry has over 1,600 yards and 18 touchdowns? Wow. Which is 200 yards more than Zeke Elliott. I shared a similar stat last week, and then he had another monster week. He's mm. been a stud. Ten more touchdowns than Zeke Elliott on the ground in that span. Hmm. Derrick Henry is playing awesome, and you can see his explosiveness as he runs through the hole and gets to the second level. These big plays aren't just missed tackles. They're him exploding through holes and outrunning people. There are, He's got the best stiff arm in the game. Yeah. There are guys that it's proven over the years that they have better numbers and they play better late in the season. Derrick Henry is one of those guys, and now he's on a team, and I don't know if it's Tannehill that unlocked it 
or it's just a little bit of luck for Tannehill and Arthur Smith, the coordinator. But they have a bunch of guys who can go the distance. A.J. Brown is an explosive player. Henry is an explosive player. Um, Corey Davis occasionally can be an explosive player. Jonu Smith made some big plays. That's good. You know, it, it's just like one 30-yard play per week, but even that, you know, that's big. And and it's all happened with Tannehill that they're kind of a, a big play type of team, which you don't think of when you think of the Titans. I mean, maybe we're part of where my Nick Foles uh, – anti-Nick Foles takes coming out of no that more. game was, well, no, was because of the way Tannehill played in that game and the way he's played, producing big plays in an offense where that all Not dried up. to do too much, I mean, to his that, credit. But I will give him this, like when he ran for that touchdown and just kind of the way he throws his body around and the the color guy in that game was like, that's how you win over your entire locker room with that kind of stuff. And I do think that, that the Titans have been galvanized by him. It's funny to me that these two teams at six and five, if this were the Cowboys Eagles, it would be treated like the sequel to Titanic. And it's like one of four games we have left because I guess there's just not a lot of juice around AFC South rivalries in general. But this is one of the better right. games of the week. Titanic two. Leo Leo's back. Oh, yeah, he, he emerges from no the one, from the water. No one saw like a creature coming. from the Black Lagoon type figure. Like his body was frozen in the cryogenic. Oh, I got it. Yeah, and then they bring him back. He comes back from the dead, right? And he wants revenge on Kate Winslet's character for not on letting Rose. Him. Yeah, because she wouldn't let him on that piece of wood. In the there was plenty of room for him on the piece of wood floating in the icy Atlantic, and he just floated off. She took the whole piece of wood. So he's going to come back for her. How about revenge on Billy Zane? You bring Billy Zane back. You haven't seen him in a while. Get some revenge on him. That's a very different zombie. Zane uh, is good tone to that movie. His zombie went down. He went. He went down with the ship as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were in love as he as they were parting ways. Until she broke his heart. We're we're old enough, Erica. That I don't know if other people here have these memories, but I do. I I remember going to another movie the week that or the week after Titanic came out. I eventually did see it in the theater, too. And there were just, like, lines of people. Yeah, the, the movie had been out for a week or two. Lines of people in West Springfield, Massachusetts, you know, waiting to get into the into Titanic for, like, an hour. That would never, never happen anymore. Young, yeah, younger no. people. Like, Erica, people your age, and I don't mean to be the people your age guy. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, a, a true monoculture um, phenomenon can't. I don't think it can happen the way it happened with Titanic, where it actually just completely took over society as this all-encompassing, encompassing uh, phenomenon that everyone had an opinion on. People saw it multiple times. People saw it seven, eight, nine times. I had just a little like to put you in the moment. I was a senior year of high school, and my se- second semester elective course was film study. And it was, you know, whatever. It was just going to go watch, uh, I'm sure, like a couple Hitchcock movies and maybe watch, you know, a Spielberg movie, whatever it would have, the course. They swapped it out and then just made the whole class about Titanic. And it was a class trip to see Titanic. It was making a video documentary about Titanic. And we all played different characters. Huh. Th- that's you how Rose? huge. I feel like the original <laughs> version. I feel like you would have learned more from the original version of the class. Probably. A little Hitchcock. Just no, a I would have preferred that. Um, but that's how big Titanic was. And now the way, you know, things have uh, splintered with uh, the media the way it is now. I just don't think that ever happens again. Are you kidding me? I waited at midnight to see Twilight. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Yeah, Twilight. Twilight is huge, but it doesn't hold a candle. I mean, to my point, Titans, like Titans Colts has been completely sideswiped by uh, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. It's a very AFC South thing to have happened to it. <laughs> Sorry, Wes. I want to see what Tannehill leading the league in yards per attempt. Wes will not have the Titanic. <laughs> 
<laughs> I got no time for that film. And I believe I saw a stat that in four of his five starts, the Titans are top five in yards per play in the entire league. I want to know what uh, T.Y. Hilton shows up because when he was active for that game against the Texans, I thought maybe that swings that game. But he ended up not being the real T.Y. Hilton. A couple drops and not nearly as explosive. Couldn't win one-on-one. And they Will, didn't even send him on You know, Will outs. Fuller was, was the key to that game. And I just – if you don't have a, the real T.Y., especially Adoree Jackson, who's playing pretty well lately and matches up with him usually, you know, I, this just isn't the same Colts team. I know we got Jonathan Williams, who's Spice Racks guy in the backfield. A nice job. Long-time listeners will remember our friend Brad Spicer, the Spice Rack. He called Jonathan Williams' emergence four years ago. It took a little while, but now here Otherwise, he that appearance was a real iceberg in the way of the ship performance by uh, Spicy, but he nailed the Jonathan Williams take years Ago. Come back to L.A., Spice Rack. Apparently, he's been in like Cincinnati for two months. And Is that no true? One, no one knew. I, inv- I, I, I knew didn't know. He- I invited him for Thanksgiving, and he said 95% chance he'll be in L.A., and then texted me a few days later and said, I think I'll stick around with my family in Cincinnati. Well, Thanksgiving's for family. That's all right. Yeah. I was surprised that he was thinking about leaving his family just to come to L.A. for Thanksgiving. Well, happy holidays to Spice Rack. Absolutely. Wherever he is. Yes. And how about Great put a little spice, spice on your turkey? Your you know the bland bird. That's what we get. We get a little. Uh, we get a spicy turkey, mm. and it, I think that's the way to go. I, I have catering place. Little smoked spice in there. I have no time for the cliched this time of year. <laughs> turkey, it's terrible. I don't need any on my plate. Get out of here. No, I agree that with that. Bird. It's like Who's anything. It's how you prepare it. If you don't prepare it well, you're. You, it's on you. How about Wes preparing a turkey? I know he's going to be great. Oh, I'm. I, I've got the brine going right now. Oh yeah, he does. Oh, We're smoking it on the oh. big green egg tomorrow. Oh yeah, we got it all. We're going to have it ready. Oh damn, that's going to be good. I'm frying my first turkey. Me and Bob in the garage where I do the throwback podcast. We talk about it on the pod a lot. That I was I'm eventually going to burn down that garage in a rage. This might actually happen <laughs> tomorrow. The garage gets burned down in a fried turkey accident. Yeah, don't put it in frozen. You'll, Are you sure you want right to do it the inside? The it's gr- going to be raining. So yeah, but like... <laughs> Are you sure? Well, the garage door will be open. <laughs> you know It'll that, be like, the garage is going to smell like grease for like months and months and months. That's a good months. point. And it maybe the rain will stop. Maybe all the, the time. rain will stop. This is where we're doing our follow-up pod the day after? <laughs> I don't know why this seems you're like a hostile, hostile workplace. It it's pretty much like Mark's gone. nightmare, like a, a lingering smell of meat. 25 minutes of like fried turkey smell. Okay. I like the do it lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Wes, it snakes to you. Wes has like nine games. I know, and I thought <laughs> I'll save the Eagles-Dolphins for someone else because someone's going to have to pay close attention to Carson Wentz and that Eagles offense to break it down. So I'll save that for you guys. Uh, I'll take <laughs> Packers-Giants. Wow. Okay, a little bit of an upset there. The way you set it up, it was like only one man can watch the tape and really know what's going on with Carson Wentz, I, and that man is Chris West. I would feel irresponsible if my third game was watching Carson okay. Wentz and trying to figure out what was wrong with him. So it's better off if someone else does. Mm. And the Giants, I I think, I said last week that Daniel Jones doesn't really qualify as exciting for me, and that's true, but maybe I'm being a little hard on him considering what's going on with that offense. Evan Ingram's not playing. It seems like every other week they have a concussed wide receiver. Saquon Barkley is nowhere close to what he normally is. He's running as if he still has that same explosive jump cuts and springy legs. And it's leading to a lot of negative plays because he just can't get out of those situations he used to mm. get out of. Although I find the Saquon Barkley conversation strange. Like all the Giants fans is like, well, he he must be hurt. He's not the same guy. 
But then there's, you know, 70-yard runs that he makes. And then there's plays where he right, hits him with multiple spin it's moves. Cutting. I get it, but there's some plays where he looks pretty great to me. And, and he is, you know, not making yards after contact. I don't know. It's just like running backs play hurt, first of all. So that's how you get... Right, but a getting, high ankle sprain can ruin a whole season. And, and maybe that is it. I guess I just I see some really good plays from him, so that's where I get confused. It's like, okay, on that play where he looked amazing, is he? That's the play. He's not injured. It's just that part of it's a little confusing. I mean, his yards per attempt last four games: three point three seven, dipped down to two. He had that game where he had thirteen rushes for one yard, which gave him a zero point eight yards per attempt, and then three point four seven. If that were someone not named Saquon Barkley, we would. I'm not saying what he's jump cuts or all. But the even business. last year, he that's was just a not very, production, though. He was a boomer bust guy that had a ton of negative plays and a ton of one yard gains, and it's, and that got overlooked. It's and, like a quarterback with a strong arm. Like you're a boomer bust quarterback because you play that style. You have the ability to do it, but he doesn't have the ability right now to get out of the trouble that he used to put himself into for risking the big play. It's a good, a great uh, get right matchup for the Packers offense, who I'm a little getting a little worried about, uh, but not when they're playing the Giants. Yeah, it's not a it's a there's get right games. It feels like a get right festival. And you hope it but I but the Packers also feel to me like, like a little fair for getting right. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't go to that. McLaughlin headlining. That's exactly not, what I'm not late saying. period, Lilith. I'm talking. Peak well, it kind of lost its Paula like, Cole. It lost Paula its way Cole's a little bit. House. I went Michelle to Crow's I went there. to either the first or the second Lilith. Donald Lewis is in the house. Where have uh, all the Jamie. Cowboys gone? McLaughlin headline. Liz know. Fair was there. That's that was really my uh, Fair in the my building. ticket. Tori Amos was there. Oh, yeah. I like Tori. Tori Amos back in the day. It was at uh, it was Indigo at Girls. Jones Sadie Beach. Hawkins. Jones Beach. You know, a regular. Montauk, New Sophie York. Sophie B. Hawkins. New that York. was her name. Was Sophie, uh, B. Sophie B. Hawkins. That almost made um, our version of the throwback pod. We're really dating ourselves. Damn! I show. wish I was your lover. No, it was a different one. As I live. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Four non blondes was there. I think. Oh yes. What happened to that girlfriend, Greg? That you went with? Can you isolate Wes's? In, oh yes. She's for future. Doing great. Thank you. Concrete blonde? We stayed together a long time. All right. Let's move on. Uh, Wes, you really made a great point about we're going to be tied up with Niners, Ravens, uh, Zeusers, whole life is on the line with the Jets. Do I really want to take that responsibility of letting the people know whether Carson Wentz is broken or fixed? People are going to want to know answers, and I I won't be able to give it to them. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Redskins at Panthers and um, and – and, you know, be professional about it and keep my eye on the game and read up on it afterwards and then report and give a dispatch come Sunday night. Um, but I just, I, you know, the Eagles and Carson Wentz, that's too big a story in the NFL right now. A lot of responsibility. So I'm going to pass that responsibility off to someone I, I trust, which is Mark <laughs> Sessler, who I know will be able to focus on that game extremely well. I mean, here's the way this works. <laughs> Number one, let's be clear. So are we talking about both these games right now? At the same <laughs> Why time? not? Let's do it. Oh, we, we should get to these good prime yes. time We games. can mishmash through them. I mean, I, I would imagine I'm the last person the listener would pick to diagnose quarterback issues uh, among the show or somewhere, somewhere close to the bottom. But I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to give it my certain energy and uh, joy for the sport. I'll Gardner Minshew will decide, by the way, who comes in last there. We'll find out. 
The uh, the health of the Eagles, though, should Wait, make it more we, watchable. I, we're, on, no, we're doing a new thing. We're talking both of these games at once yeah. in short order and getting to the nice prime times. Well, you can bring it back to Alshon Jeffrey a little right. bit. Right. They're, they're, uh, the Eagles are getting healthier. It looks like they're going to have Alshon, Nelson Aguilar, Lane Johnson, and Brandon Brooks back. I they mean, cut, that's four they cut poor Jordan Matthews. Right. Which that's pretty nice. significant. And their defense right now, to me, is playing – Playoff level defense where they should both lines they should be able to win a game on their own in in Miami even if it's not fun. If this game is thirty five nothing Eagles, I'm just going to tell you Carson Wentz looks good. I think my take on this is that everybody overreacted to Carson Wentz playing in the wind two weeks in a row with bad wide receivers, no running game, even with a Jadavian Clowney out. Seattle's defensive line dominating up front against the Eagles' offensive line. And what's going on with that offense is the opposite of symbiotic. It's like each bad group is making the other group's job way harder because they're all underperforming, and Carson Wentz is now living under a black cloud. Mm. Well, if the Eagles, and I'm super down on them, but Wes, you might be right. Maybe it's just a two-week sample size that we need to Oh, no, no, no. He's got issues. The I just, se- like, it's, but I mean, it's the Eagles like in general, are they— back in the league or something. Right, are the Eagles done? Well, they get— like we're saying, at Miami, Miami's had two really bad losses back-to-back, and they're 2-9. and nine. Then they get the Giants at home, the Redskins on the road, Cowboys at home, and then at Giants. This season is not uh, broken beyond repair in terms of a chance to make the playoffs because the Cowboys have been so unpredictable this That's year. That's why Jerry Jones should be mad. This division race should be over, and they've blown yep. it. Right, so the Eagles have a chance to hang around and maybe even steal the NFC East if they can just take care of their business. But the question becomes, is Philadelphia, specifically on offense, uh, broken – uh, beyond repair itself, so we'll see. I just feel like they're being removed from the story in terms of teams we can trust as being there in late January. You want to sneak into the playoffs based on this schedule? Have a nice time with yeah, that. I mean, the goal but- right now is just get to Week 16 and have that Cowboys game be the game that decides the division. Wes, I, think, say- I think they got a chance. Titanic 2. Right. Wes, say something about the Panthers. Kyle Allen isn't as bad as everyone thinks he is either. I don't I don't understand that one. He gets talked about like he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Their defense, he's just an average quarterback. Their defense is quite possibly worse than their offense. I mean, that's largely because of Christian McCaffrey. But to me, that's why the Panthers are a disappointment. They got Vernon Butler and Bruce Irvin coming off the edge. This used to be a group that you know people were excited about. There also uh, was a, a news item that dropped just about now on the Redskins that Josh Norman will be playing in this game, but he will not be starting. So Bill Callahan uh, announced basically they have benched old Josh No. Also, old is right. One of the moves Christian McCaffrey put on a linebacker last week, it was like a stutter step yes. and an explosion into the end zone. That, and I was like, that's that the one I called Eric Metcalfian on Sunday yes, because it was, it was unbelievable. Oh, Their schedule gets a little easier here. He could He could really go make a run at the yards from scrimmage record. All I'd say is they're like a Joey Sly personal meltdown and a Drew Brees one-minute drill from having beaten the Saints and us thinking about them a little differently. Bad job by Sly Guy. Sly Guy still has a job, too, doesn't he? He was like, before that game, he was number one in PFF's kicker ranks, I think. Well, they brought in another, they brought in some competition to test out. All right, to the primetime games. Um, Yes, no Niners-Ravens. We get Patriots. Texans, which is a battle of two first-place teams, so it's not like we're out in the cold on this. Should be a, a very good game. And uh, again, and I do like what the schedule makers are doing this year. Instead of just handing the Patriots <laughs> these teams on a platter for a bloodbath up in New England, they're putting the Pats on the road and saying, hey, you want to go win in prime time? You're going to have to earn it. And that's what we're going to get here because the Texans, uh, they're a team that – 
Listen, historically, the Pats have owned the Texans, right? All the, five and zero oh against Bill O'Brien. All the way, yeah, five and zero, oh, and the Letterman jacket is the low moment of this franchise uh, back in the playoffs about five years ago. So there's a lot of history there, uh, but you still have Deshaun Watson, who could be a difference maker, Greg, at any uh, against any team. But can he do it against a defense as good as the New England Patriots? He has the skill set to do it because I, when I look at the Patriots' defense, I think. The things that can hurt them is an athletic team, a fast team, an athletic quarterback, a fast quarterback. That's Deshaun Watson. And then a team that can go deep because no one tries. You know, the the Patriots kind of set up their defense to prevent teams from even trying to go deep. And they're so great at preventing big plays. But it's like no one even gives it a shot. That's what I'm afraid of as a Patriots fan. And the Texans, who have not been good throwing the ball deep all year, despite Watson having one of the best, you know, deep balls in the league, were awesome with Will Fuller back in the lineup. And now that he's healthy, they're a different group. You have Kenny Stills, you have Hopkins. And if I'm I'm the Texans, I'm just going bombs away and seeing what happens. Will Fuller, after that, he had two f- essentially 50-yard uh, receptions uh, last Thursday against the Colts. And he does completely change what that offense is able to do and opens it up. He did grab at that hamstring after the second one. He did then have also the game icing catch on their final possession, so he stayed on the field. You just hope he's able to stay healthy because that's been the whole Will Fuller thing. He has been as good as advertised out of the draft when he's on the field, but can he stay on the field? Uh, because when he comes off the field, they become much more predictable on offense. He is kind of like the secret key of their offense. Greg has often talked about the people who have the best success against the Patriots are former Belichick defensive coordinators like Matt Patricia. Romeo Cornell is the defensive coordinator for the Texans. And even though they've been 0-5 under Bill O'Brien, I remember a shootout with Deshaun Watson in Foxborough that was in the 30s, both teams. And I also remember some playoff games, or at least one where Jadevian Clowney was wrecking Tom Brady's life and making the game a lot closer than it should have been. And uh, I'm going to lock up the Texans this, in this game. With all due respect. Yes! Gutsy. Well, Greg, yes. Greg dared me to, I, to I, put my I, money I where my mouth You're mind. a man of your word, Wes, and I respect that. Well, it's, I mean, what am I going to do? Fall even further into last place? <laughs> this is bold. <laughs> this is the stuff that a team in a locker room rallies around. With all due respect to the Patriots' defense and coaching, which is number one and number one, I don't trust their offense at all right now. And I do trust the Texans' offense a little bit. I don't trust their offense either, but if we're going to look at the Eagles and say they played two games in windy, bad conditions, so did the Patriots. It's, you know, and as someone True. who played, I don't know if you remember that I had a pretty productive Pop Warner career. I played a game or two in that you weather. You know what you should do? Maybe like send out a picture of like... I, that's going to say, did you see that picture? I, good. That actual team I did not play on. I just simply was put into uniform and they listed my height and weight as much bigger than uh, actual reality. But I mean... <laughs> it, it helps to get out of those elements. No more fogged cameras watching Tom Brady, you know, throw for, what, 15 yards in the midway through the second quarter. That's I, a fair a fast point. start would be helpful. That is a very fair point about the weather, but this offense was struggling mightily even before they started getting weather games. They, they're, like we've said, they're a different team, and I think it's kind of amazing how they're winning games. I mean, it has a lot. It's, other teams would have a totally different record if they were hamstrung by their offense the way this one has. I do think, First of all, Dorsett and um, Sanu's availability is a huge factor. And it, I, I kind of doubt Sanu's going to play in this game, but you know they would give a big boost. I do think that the concern about the Patriots offense is just a tad overstated. 
Wait, you're the one overstepping. I get it. it. Like they're the worst. I, they're the worst Patriots offense in a long time, and they ha- are having to be resourceful. But I don't think they're a bad offense. I think they're an average to slightly better than average offense. They're they're tenth or twelfth in the year in DVOA. They've they've managed to be efficient. They don't make penalties. They don't turn the ball over, and they've. They haven't been great, but they've also like made a lot of big plays in key spots. It's not a good offense, but I think in a, in better conditions against some bad opponents like the Texans defense. I don't think this is a good Texans defense, so I do think we're going to get a nice, fun Sunday night classic that Al can enjoy, which with a lot with some points where the where people come out of this, whether the Patriots win or lose, and say, "Okay, Patriots offense turning around." I I actually, as a Patriots fan, feel pretty good about this one. Maybe a little too good. We could use it. Sunday and Monday could have been two of the best games of the year, and, and we're both total splatter fests. So it'd be nice to get like a SNF banger in a big spot. They were enjoyable in a different way, but it feels like we haven't had a lot of classics that go down to the last minute on these primetime showdowns. Deshaun Watson coming off, you know, one one of his worst games as a pro in Baltimore, and then, you know, an up and down game, I would say, against Indianapolis, where he, he could have been picked off three times. Go go after these cornerbacks. I mean, they the Patriots rush five every down. You're going to have one-on-one matchups. And I love Jonathan Jones and Jason McCourty and these guys. But, man, one, they're, they're playing one-on-one so many times. It's like, let's, let's see some talented receivers try to make plays against them. By the way, I mentioned uh, Belichick talking about the keys to football on the NFL Picks the 100 Greatest Players program that's ongoing here. Um, I just want to play because it's fun to listen to Bill Belichick talk. Just kind of funny and interesting. You can go all the way back to a few hundred years B.C. Uh, <laughs> Sun Tzu, the art of war. Attack weaknesses, utilize strengths, and figure out what the strengths are in your team. There's some things you have to protect. Find the weaknesses of your opponent and attack. You, you can't win a war by digging a hole. You've got to attack. So you have to figure out where you want to attack, how you want to attack, and that changes week to week Oof. in the game. Love it. Bad news, Greg. Bill O'Brien just transcribed that word for word. Oh, eagle. Uh, I, I love that. I need to get a recording for that. I mean, that, talk about something that's going to get you in the mood, you know. Whoa. Want to know a little <laughs> tidbit from the past? Remember that Belichick letters thing kind I did? In the mood, yeah. I sent Belichick, because I knew he loved that book, like a – super expensive version of The Art of War for Christmas. What? In 1993, I believe it with was. With whose money? With with mine. I mean, wow. super expensive book, so it was like, like 30 bucks. You were like 19 bucks. years old. How did you have money? I mean, I, I don't know how I, how I came across the money. Whatever the money. The Christmas present. I was whatever 19. it was, it was a strange use of your limited finances. <laughs> I don't know. What did you get for your brother that year? <laughs> right, exactly. I'd have to think. I'd have to think. I know I got him a gift too. There we go. Anyway, here's a used Spin Doctor CD. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure I put some thought into what, that too. So what? Uh, what happened? Did you hear back? Well, you'd go. You know, there were little back and forth things. I think that I was again. I was concerned that it was just that you know, go probably the you know. I thought his administrative assistant probably has the book on her bookshelf, but was told <laughs> that, that was maybe actually, it did get to him. That was actually so. they had been having a nice exchange, but that was the one that ended it. It was like that might have that, ended. This guy like after that, like, they're like, okay, this is a little. They're like this college freshman at Miami of Ohio is. Uh, a little bit concerning. Like the Sessler kid, how old is he now? 19, sir. All right, let's cut this off. I feel like that whole clip we just heard was the result of Mark sending him that book. Well, I I believe I knew that he didn't have any rings before that. He already had like that book, I believe. (laughs) Thank you, Mark. You are responsible. Well, I hope I didn't create all that. That would be. (laughs) All right, last game, Vikings at Seahawks. 
Uh, ooh, this is a good one. Uh, although I worry now, we can't. T- we got to stop talking about it after every time now, Wes. But Kirk Cousins in prime time on the road against a good team. Now it's I will no say this: a thing. I will talk about it as a thing still, though. Because he slayed that dragon. But he did he though because the Cowboys are kind of you know, yeah. We know though the Seahawks moving the goalposts is pretty much the the number one thing we do with Kirk Cousins. <laughs> right, absolutely. How about now nine and two Seattle, a very the loudest building in the in the game. People of Kansas City might disagree. Uh, this is a this is a very tough spot for any quarterback, and, and the Vikings, who we know kick ass at home where they are I believe 5 and 0 but they've been a middle of the road team uh away from their uh building this is a tough assignment whereas last week's monday night matchup was clear to me going in it was one dominant team against one very disappointed overmatched team in the rams this is two very good legitimate playoff teams getting healthy adam thielen is supposed to be back according to rap sheet there is one issue there Okay. I'm reading right now, actually, that he was sidelined Wednesday with a, in quotes, slight scare mm. incident attached to his hamstring oh, uh, no. problem. So Thank he you got a DNP. If you do it again, if he hurts it again, he could be done for the season. That well, is a tough situation. Rap sheet is not responsible for setbacks that happen during practice. or Well, that, you know, depends who you ask. Uh, and then the Seahawks, this team, we said for the first 10 or 11 weeks, no pass rush. They have nobody over five sacks. They can't get anything going. And then Clowney had one of the best performances of the season against the 49ers. And last week, even without Clowney, they had a really good pass rush against the Eagles. So maybe they have fixed that, and they are no longer a bottom third defense like they were earlier in the year. I I think adding Quandry Diggs in in their safety group and now their linebackers are doing Lions. It is interesting that the, the Seahawks, the <laughs> last two weeks, the defense, I think, has played their best two games of the year in a row, and the offense maybe has played their worst two games of the year in a row. Now, one of them was against the 49ers, and so you, you give them a, a pass. Uh, but they were do- they were pretty dominated against the Eagles as well. well it took a trick play to right. get the early touchdown. They had eight first downs in their first eight drives. I think their offensive line has been a problem all year. So it's just a team that's changing. But I've uh, I've learned, you know, I'm not on Seahawks corner, and I've learned, you know, stop stop looking for logic. I feel like Russ yeah. Russ and Pete aren't about that logic. Part they're of just, the magic. They're just have faith in what they do, and if you if you have faith and believe, they're like DVOA DG. AF. <laughs> I like that. I like it. Uh, yeah, I thought for the first time, maybe in his career, I thought Rashad Penny showed that he deserved more carries. He had some le- legitimate juice in the, in last week's game, and Carson had more fumbling problems. They have 16 takeaways in the last six games too. The Seahawks defense, and we saw that against the Niners. We've seen, you know, they they made it real rough on the Eagles last week in bad weather again. But there to have the defense start to you know, climb up this way is a game changer. I, I still think they can win this division. And I said yesterday, I do think they will win it. Well, they could be in first place or have a chance to get in first place you know, going into it. Well, no, the Vikings are a weird team to me because they're kind of like Kirk Cousins as a team. They're really good in every area, but nothing about them is great. Like they're, they're a pretty good run defense, pretty good pass defense, pretty They're good running, running back's team. great. He is, but their running game overall is kind it's really good. Of, it's up. It's a little up and down. They've been they've been shut down. I guess that's fair. But they're they're very balanced, but not not like sensational in anything. 
that's I yeah. picked against the the Seahawks originally on my picks, and then I realized like, why do I keep doing this? I'm going, I'm fighting. <laughs> You'll against get it the right God. at some point. I fight against the gods, and then I flipped it at the last second. Mm. So now I we, took the Seahawks here at the Seahawks corner. We we appreciate that. <laughs> Wait, you're that's, on it too. What I thought that it was, was the whole no, pit. Dan invited me in to that take the whole spot, and I, I, whole I jumped on it yeah, right he, away. He quit Seahawks corner. You right, I knew is? that. Yeah, I didn't know that you were like the one standing on the corner I waving mean, people in. For the bit's sake, he is. He doesn't actually care. <laughs> I've been there before Jadavian Clowney came to town. I, didn't. I said, Greg, I know you're looking at this in August and you're seeing a team that's not that good. They always figure it out. Oh, They're I fun to watch. That. Yes. And right. I will take your spot. Or... You're right. Okay. And then and I gave been. Greg the opportunity to come join me. But Greg is like, no, I, I like what I think. So I said, do you want Mark to take Greg's room and board? And, and, I, and then Mark came. I stand yeah. corrected. Apologies. I, I'm, I made my, you know, I decided 49ers, Rams. It, you know, it's not it's not looking good. Hmm. I I reversed the order there, Greg. You're you are Rams. I just first meant that. Mon- I was second. thinking more of the the Monday night game. I, I oh. the Forty ers team was the kind of the one that I'm I'm believing in long term. But although I'm knows. still trying to make sense of that Russell Wilson miss of Jacob Hollister, that was like in Pleasantville when Paul Walker gets told that she won't go out with him, and then nobody can make a shot in the gym anymore. <laughs> like it was baffling. I've never seen Russell Wilson. Well, who knows what happened? So on the, robotically you know, beautiful with everything he does on the football. Field. I think it was because he was totally mistake. planning to run that touchdown in, and he could have. And then he saw how open Hollister was, and then in that moment, he just—it was like too easy. It was too easy a throw, and he just like it, I, made it me seemed like a last-second decision that went wrong, kind of thing. Yeah, that end zone was also a wind tunnel. Oh, it was a terrible throw. I mean, he made a lot of great throws in that game. That made me question not... the world. I was like, wait, whoa, 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 what's going on? I mean, on I've here? seen quarterbacks on on Cleveland that that's sort of their. E line. That's how they throw most throws. So if you had Russell Wilson, then Russell so Wilson. Was that guy Josh Shaw started a game or something? No. For the for the probably Browns. I don't remember him. <laughs> Josh, Josh Shaw is a <laughs> cornerback safety. <Okay. laughs> All right, that's it. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, no, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. That's nice. Celebrate it with your family. Listen to the podcast first. Or if you have a family dynamic that's unhealthy. Are toxic in some way, get your earbuds or your headphones and put them in your ears when you're sitting at the table. Tune them out. Listen just, to us. And just eat the food, which will probably be what you came for anyway. Follow along to my to Insta story where I'll be putting on stories about my smoked turkey. Look at that. There you go. We've got your whole day planned out. And then Friday, come back for, uh, and we'll get that up pretty early in the morning on Friday. So uh, come back for the Friday recap of the Thursday games. All right. That's it. Stan Hansen signing off. For a quiet storm, the mailman, the old boss. Rick Hollywood. Behind the glass. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I like to do it, lady. Yeah. <laughs> Till Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. 
So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 